Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. As it is February, we are starting a brand new collection of talks called Love Comes from God. We're in February, the month of love with Valentine's Day. Husbands, there you go. It's coming up soon, so get it on the calendar. But Love Comes from God, what we're going to talk about is on Sundays, we're going to have some discussion about true and healthy relationships. What does it mean to have a true and healthy relationship? And what does that mean when we say love comes from God? But here's another exciting thing about today. Today is Baptism Sunday, and right after service, we have our baptismal tank set up. We have one person signed up to get baptized after service today. It's going to be super exciting. We're going to celebrate with them. I invite you to come hang with us afterwards. But listen, if you are at any point today feeling like today is the day, if you haven't been publicly water baptized, we'd invite you to get baptized today. We got a shirt for you. We got a towel for you. We got a whole crowd of people that want to celebrate this fresh start in your life. So at the towards the end of the message, you're going to hear me say, if you want to get baptized today, or if you signed up to get baptized, head on out, but you didn't have to sign up. You can just step out there today and we'll have everything ready for you because we believe today can be a fresh start and why wait? Because we know again, that love comes from God. And really what we're doing is responding to the love that has come down from heaven to us. To show us who we are, to show us who our creator is. I love that scripture tells us to taste and see that God is good. And so the love that God has for us is good. And listen, we only know what love is. Listen, the love I had for my family growing up for my parents, the love I have now for my wife and for my kids, the love I have for my friends, the love I have for my church and the incredible people in our church, I didn't make that up. I'd love to take credit for it, but I didn't create it. God did. And so what we're gonna do today is kind of go to the creator of this thing called love and have some discussion on what this idea and truth about love is. So the title of today's message is A Matter of the Heart. A Matter of the Heart. You see, physically, the heart affects everything about us. If you have an irregular heartbeat, that's you got to get that treated. If you have, if your heart stops beating, you're not alive anymore. Like, let's just take a test here. Put your hand over your heart, just like you did in school, to say the pledge, and you feel that bump, bump, bump. It means you're alive. Can I get a good amen if you're excited that you're alive today? Come on, you're alive. You got some breath in your lungs. Let's go. There we go. Second service. We're awake. We're ready to go. But see, the thing is, if I didn't feel a heartbeat there, that'd be a big deal. And physically, the health of our heart dictates everything, influences everything. The same is true for our heartbeat spiritually. For us to have a healthy heartbeat spiritually, we have to realize that it is filled from not a love of ourselves, not a love of the things around us, but it's filled with a love that comes from God. Write this down on your notes today. It says this, life is too short. I'm learning that more and more as my kids age so fast. Life is too short. The world is too big, all the craziness and stress and chaos. And the love that comes from God is too great to live ordinary. See, the thing is, when we talk about our life and what we could conjure up about love and about who we are, it would just be ordinary. If you've ever been to a restaurant before, I'm sure you have, 
They have these things called Yelp reviews or Google reviews. No restaurant is excited when you write down on a review, ah, you know what, the food was ordinary. Like no owner of a restaurant's excited to get that. If you go out on a date with someone or you hang out with a group of friends and afterwards they say, hey, how was it? And you go, eh, ordinary. You're not getting a second date. You're probably not hanging out with those friends again because that is not a complimentary word. And see, the thing is too often spiritually, we give our life to things that are ordinary, things that we can control, things that we can define. But the only way to experience the extraordinary love that God has for you and I is to have that little extra. And that little extra is the love that comes from God. It's actually way more than a little. It's an immense amount of extra. And we add that to our ordinary lives and we begin to see a love that comes from God that we could never come up with on our own, but also a love that we could never live without. I love what it says in 1 John 4, 7 and 4, 10. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For why, why? Why are we supposed to do that? Well, because love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Here we go, good statement here. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Do me a favor and just circle that line real big on your notes today. That he loved us. He gets to decide what love is because he created it and he loved us. And he sent his son. Not only did he say it from heaven, but he displayed it as well by sending his son Jesus as a sacrifice to take away from our sins. So we celebrate it today in communion. The reason that we are going to maybe redirect our thought process and resubmit our understanding of truth today is because it's that God loved us. And sometimes what God says, what comes down from God is a little different than what we see in the culture and world around us. So before we pray, let me introduce you to this verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 2 that I love. It says this, this is the message translation. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. I love this phrase right here. God brings out the best of you. Maybe we should circle that too, that this is not about adding to my life or doing more and being weighed down with responsibilities or burdens, but to be blessed to know that God is bringing the best out of me, out of you. And that develops a well-formed maturity in us. What does that mean? We've grown and we have a healthy foundation. So let's pray and believe that God's going to speak to us today. Let's pray and believe that we're going to find some healing today in the love that comes from God. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we're so thankful that you're here in this place. We pray today that we would lean into this truth that love comes from God. Love comes from you. And Lord, we pray that you would give us some insight to that love as we listen and lean in and open our hearts. Be with us today. And God, I pray for all of our kids and local city kids today. I pray that you would help them know how much you love them and be with our teachers in there as well as they introduce our kids to the best friend they have in Jesus. And Lord, we are thankful to be in your house today. In Jesus' name, we all say, come on, let's give one good amen today as we jump into the message. And why don't you give a nice shout and clap for everybody watching for Local City Church Online. So glad that you're here today. May you're a part of the family, and we're glad you're here. Well, we love that you're here today, and I know it's a big deal when you pick where you're going to go to church on a Sunday, and I'm glad that you're here. And I want to invite you in on this little journey that we're going to talk about when it comes from the love that comes from God and the title of this understanding that it's a matter of 
our heart. I, pull, I believe today, and I pray today, that at the end of this message, your heart can beat a little bit stronger knowing the love that God has for you. That your heart can beat with a little bit more purpose knowing that you are here for a reason, and that reason is to know God. I mean, if you go back to the very beginning of time, why did God create us? Well, I've heard it said before that a selfish God would just be fine with just him and the, all of the universe by himself forever. But a loving God would create something with purpose that could know him and love him and be loved in return. And what we realize is in the very beginning when God created the first two humans, Adam and Eve, he placed them in paradise called the Garden of Eden. And he didn't just leave them to their own devices. He said, hey, I want to create this garden, this beautiful place for you so we can experience it together and walk through the garden together and be friends and you can know me as your heavenly father. It was all centered around relationship. And to have healthy relationships in our life, we have to begin to center them around our love and identity that comes down from God. And why is this a matter of the heart? Because the way your heart is, is going to term, determine the decisions that you make. The condition of your heart is going to, condition, uh, going to determine the decisions that you make. Can I be vulnerable with you for a moment? Is that okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you for permission. I was going to do it anyway, but I appreciate that you've invited me in to be vulnerable with you. So I have to be vulnerable and honest with you. First things first is um, I love donuts. Any donut lovers out there? Come on, man. Let's go. Glazed, chocolate sprinkles, but, you know, buttercream, jelly inside. Oh, it's all, I love it all. All right. All of it's good. All right. And there's this place, we live in an area of Tampa called Seminole Heights, and there is a small business in Seminole Heights that does monthly pop-ups called Get Along Donuts, and they're handmade, hand-baked. They are amazing. I always get a full box, but they only do a pop-up like once a month. And every single Saturday when they do the pop-up at 9 a.m., there is like a super long line down the street because people are ready for them donuts on a Saturday morning they've been waiting a month for, right? I mean, these are no Dunkin' Donuts, all right? These are, I, I, no hating on Dunkin'. I do love a good Dunkin' Donut. But these are like specialty, prime, like you just can't get these anywhere else, all right? So there's a long line. And so I'm waiting in line. And line, standing in line as a human is always a good test of how patient you are. A good test of how you can be a light to the world, like the light of Jesus, right, in a very slow-moving line. Well, I was standing in line waiting for about 15 minutes, and I was getting close to the front, and there was a group of guys hanging out. I could tell they were friends, and I saw this car pull up into the parking lot, and a guy got out of the car, and he started walking up to this group of friends, and I've been in enough lines to know what was about to happen. What was I was about to experience, maybe you've heard this said before, was what society deems a chat and cut, where he was going to start a chat conversation with his friends and then just cut all of us behind us. Now, being vulnerable, I don't let that fly, all right? So, like, I saw him walking up, do the little bro hug. What's up, guys? Hey, donut time, right? And I was like, no, 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 no. We're waiting in line, sir, just because you, you're not, you don't get to just go to the front of the line because you know somebody, all right? Otherwise, I would, you know, my wife would show up right now at the front of the line so she wouldn't have to stay in. It doesn't work that way. And in my mind, I'm like, this guy, this one guy, he's going to step in line, and I'm sure he's going to order the last flavor of the donut that I want, and I'll never be able to get what I wanted, right? And so inside me, this is all playing in real time in like a split second in my heart. Like, I'm check number one, I'm checking if I have a local city shirt on. And then I'm debating whether or not I'm going to say, yo, bro, line's back there. 
Like, no. You ever, like, be in line somewhere where that doesn't have the clear how to get in line and someone just kind of, like, wanders, oh, is this the line? Yeah, back there. This is the middle. Back is back there, all right? And so in, the, in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, I, I want to say something. My heart's a little unhealthy right now. I'm really hungry. You're never at your healthiest when you're hungry, right? And so I'm about to say something, and then what you know, and he says, all right, man, I'm going to go. All right, fellas, I'm going to go get in the back of the line. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you are. Or else I was going to make a scene. It's because what your heart, the heart, the condition of your heart in those moments is what is going to come out. Now, I'm glad I have a little bit of self-control now as a 35-year-old, but 10 years ago, that guy, we we're going to throw down over some donuts, all right? It's because, again, my heart's changed a little bit. I've matured and grown up. What comes out of our heart, what, what's in our heart is what comes out. We have to realize that. Now, in a much more serious sense, sometimes it's not just events that happen in our life or circumstances. Maybe sometimes what's defined our heart is things that people have said about us. Let me share with you a really important verse. This comes from the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible. And we see this as, as a time where God has brought his people, the Israelites, out of slavery. He's redeemed them, and he's kind of setting up how he wants to have a relationship with them on earth. He's setting up how they are going to experience the love that comes from him on a consistent and daily basis. And so he establishes what's called the priesthood with Moses' brother. Moses is the guy who led them out of Egypt and out of slavery by the power of God. And Moses' brother, his name is Aaron, and he's the first priest in the temple in the house of God. And so in Exodus chapter 28, what we find is God's beginning to build what is called the tabernacle and the temple where his presence literally would come down from heaven and exist with his people. Big deal. And he began to, he began to talk to them how they're going to build the temple and the materials and things that they're going to use all the way down to what the priest is going to wear when he is leading people into experiencing the love of God into prayer and worship for their heavenly father. And it says this important verse in Exodus chapter 28, verse 15. It says this, God is speaking, and he says, Then with great skill and care, make a chess piece to be worn for seeking a decision from God. I love this verse because it really challenges me to remember the condition of my heart. Because what, what does it say? With an intricate detail and a lot of focus and intention, build a protection piece over your chest, over where your heart is, because those are where the decisions that come from God are made. But those are also the decisions that are made that can lead us away from God. So really what we have to understand is that God wants to protect our heart. And maybe we have opened ourselves up to so many different things. We've taken that chest piece off. It goes on later to say that that is the chest piece, the breastplate of righteousness, understanding the truth of God that has been labeled on our life that can really, if we give ourselves over to lies or toxic thoughts, it can really poison our heart, and that then poisons our decisions and messes us up on the direction of our life where we're headed. You staying with me? Tracking with me so far? So what I've realized in my life is I have to protect my heart, and I can't just allow anything in there, and I can't be the one that defines what's inside my heart, the matters of my heart, because sometimes I just believe the lies of people around me, and I've got to understand the truth that comes from God. Now, way more than a serious donut story, I remember way back when, when I was in second grade, something was labeled on me that I carried, with, I carried in my life on my heart for a long time. Remember, it says, craft with intricate detail and intention the things that you place over your heart because that is going to influence how you make those decisions. It's going to, the matters of your heart is going to determine the movement your heart takes you, right? And so what I realized, what I realized back in my Life is growing up is a teacher gave me a label that really messed me up. Now, 
What I'm going to tell you is very honest, but I also have to let you know that probably very valid because growing up, I was not the most well-behaved kid. I talked a lot. I was crazy. I bounced off the walls. I was not necessarily the, you know, prim and proper kid sitting in the front row, okay? Maybe you can see that. Maybe, maybe that's a surprise to you. Thank you for that. Um, but I remember going into second grade. Number one, my second grade teacher was not the nicest lady. Actually, she was very mean. Um, I went to a private Baptist Christian school. Maybe some of that's all you need to hear, maybe, about just, like, the religious side of things, and you better tuck your shirt in and have your hair cut and walk the right way, all that stuff, right? Well, I remember sitting in a before-school conference with this teacher, and this teacher literally said this. You know, I didn't really want Ryan in my class. Literally said that. And I'm like, okay, thanks, lady. That's not very nice. But I remember hearing that, and that labeled my life something that I carried with me for many years. And I have these little name tags here to kind of maybe be a symbol of what I'm talking about. So with this idea, she said, Ryan, I don't really or I didn't really want you in my class. I remember putting on this label over my heart this idea that I'm unwanted. And that led to me dealing with significant deep issues of insecurity my whole life that I wasn't wanted, and that to be wanted, I had to do whatever it takes to be accepted because I'm so insecure on the inside. So uh, from that point on in my life, every waking hour, every moment of energy, everything I had in me was trying to be accepted by people around me. Not my teachers. I still was very badly behaved. (laughs) But but my friends around me, right? Like, "Hey, hey, go do this crazy thing, Ryan. Jump off the roof. Sweet. I'll do it if it makes you like me. Or say this or do that. Sure. If it means you'll like me and you'll accept me and that you'll want me, I'll do whatever you want. And man, it seemed like I was having a lot of fun, but inside I was wounded, broken, and empty. Because I was just running after, trying to feel wanted, trying to erase this label that a person gave me. Maybe you are wearing a name tag today or an identity over your heart that God did not give you. Maybe you have written something over your heart that is affecting the matters of your heart that God never said about you. Maybe it's unwanted. Maybe it's mistake. Maybe it's past. Maybe it's brokenness. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you'll never amount to anything. Maybe you're, you know, the enemy tries to continue to bring up your past mistakes and sins. You have to understand that love comes from God, and the things that are written on our heart only can come from God. Anything else is not only a lie, but it's poison. And we have to realize how important this is. Because at all times, the world, the enemy, is trying to change our name and mess us up and destroy us from the inside out. What did, that, what did Romans 12 2 say? God wants to change us from the inside out because he knows what's on the inside is going to affect the outside. And so for us, we're going to take a look a little bit today about how the love on the inside is going to affect the outside and how, for a lot of us, we need to realize God wants to rip off these old labels and remind you that the love that you desperately are seeking comes from him and him alone. And so here's what I'm hoping, happen, hoping happens today. Same thing that happened for me. When I realized that God loved me for who I was, in spite of my past, in spite of my mistakes, when I realized, this is huge for maybe a lot of us in this room, when I realized that God wanted me. When I realized that God wanted a relationship with me, not as just a believer, not just as a standing on the outside, but as a son who he loves and cares for and is proud of. So listen today, I mean, this, this name tag's not very strong, but imagine it was like just made of like the strongest duck gorilla tape you can ever think of, right? We have to allow God today, and maybe it'll hurt a little bit, to begin to peel off these name tags that we've put on ourselves. 
and I wish you could just rip it off quick like a band-aid, but sometimes it takes one step after, ow, God, that hurts. But he's, what he's trying to do is take off these old identities, these old labels, these old like, truths or things, of facts of love that you've believed, and just take them off and say, hey, you know what? They don't have anything to do with your life anymore. I got something new for you. And I want, I want to show you what that new thing is, all right? So we're going to actually jump to a story in the Old Testament real quick today, coming from Daniel chapter 1. Again, let me give you some context. So God's people, they are messed up people. If anything which should give you an encouragement, it's opening up your Old Testament in your Bible and reading anything about God's people, anything about the Israelites, and be like, yo, they are a mess. Because God keeps saving them, and they are good for a few years, and then they turn their back on God again. And he keeps saving them, and they turn their back. And then sometimes their enemy comes in and just wipes them out because they keep turning their back on God when he says, hey, just trust me. So in Daniel, we pick up when the Israelites, when God's people are going through one of their biggest defeats. Not only are they defeated, but they are exiled out of their home to a place called Babylon. So let's read what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, this is the king of Israel, another king, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it, meaning he destroyed everything. And the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Now, there's a lot in this that just seems like you're reading history. But let me give you a couple things. Number one, it's very important to look where it says the Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar victory over the Israel king, over God's people. Seems interesting, but you have to understand is that Israel willfully chose to step out of the protection of God and turn their back on the things of God, and that is when the enemy came in and destroyed them. Can I encourage you, if you feel like you are constantly under attack or the enemy is destroying you or you're feeling burdened down or distant from God, is there a place where you have turned your back on what he says? Is there a place where you have forgotten to step back under the protection of God? Because the protection of God is found in the promises of God. And sometimes the promises of God are found under the truth of God that we have to remember comes down from him. And sometimes we have to make the decision to stay under his covering, under his authority. And Israel kept making the decision to not do that. they say, God, save us. And then God would save them. And then they would do their, whatever they want. God, save us. And then God would save them. Well, here they're going through a difficult time. And what you're going to see is a huge thing that I, that I think we need to lean into. It says that King Nebuchadnezzar took some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. Now, in the Old Testament, those sacred objects were things that were found in the temple, in the tabernacle, important things. What are God's sacred objects now? You and I, his sons and daughters. And listen, this is historical understanding of events that happened, but if we were fast forward to today, we still have an enemy, the king of this world, the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. He is trying to take the sacred objects of God, rip them out of the house of God, and place them in his, in his own lower G, lowercase g house that's going to mess you up, that's going to cause you to question God. That's going to cause you to question who you are. What love comes from God? Is it just oppressive? Is it just difficult? Is it, you know, can I make up my own things and step into a life of pride? See, the enemy is always trying to take you out of the house of God and place you in his house. Which I want to tell you, you don't want to be there. <laughs> you don't want to be there. And this is what happens. But there's some great stories, there's some great people that this hard times begin to elevate. 
And as we see in Daniel chapter 1, 6 through 7, we're going to see some guys that, that rise to the prominence in the story. So here we go in chapter 6. Daniel, who maybe you've heard his name before. It's his book. So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff, who was an evil guy, renamed named them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Now, see, what's interesting about this is you may know them as their names they were given, but not their true names. You may know them as the Babylonian names that were not their actual names they were born with. But see, what I love about these three guys, and Daniel is an example of it as well, is that no matter what culture tried to do to change them or rename them, they stayed true to the word of the Lord and the promises of the love that comes down from God. But the enemy in this time wants to change their name so that they begin to destroy themselves where? From the inside out. Let me just give you a truth really quick. The enemy always wants to take away the name that God gave you. Jesus is always changing names too. You see that. They change, you know, from... From Simon, he becomes Peter, right? Abram becomes Abraham, right? God is always changing names, but so is the enemy. And we need to lean into some name changes here in this story as we begin to finish up and really lean into what this means for us. So the first thing is, is they change Daniel's name from God is my judge, meaning God's in control, I trust him fully, to Belteshazzar, which means lady, protect the king. Two huge things, they change his name. They take the focus off of God and now to the earthly, protect the king. You only have an earthly reason for being here, not a heavenly one anymore. But the other thing they do, this is huge, everyone. The things that are going in culture are not new. And when it comes to attacks against God's word and the people of God, they give him a misgendered name to confuse his identity. That's what I want you to write down. Why is this so important? This is why my heart breaks for the people in our world and culture that are dealing with these things and are being pushed just to accept them. It's because when the enemy confuses your identity, what is your identity? That you are a part of the family of God. When the enemy confuses you on what part of the family of God you are, son, daughter, he then can convince you that you don't belong in that family anymore. And he can convince you to turn your back on the family of God and on the love that comes from God. They do it with Daniel. They try to confuse his identity. They try to change who he is. They try to affirm him in things that are lies against his God-given identity. I know this is heavy, but you got to know this stuff. Number one, to realize God speaks to things in culture. Thousands of years ago, he spoke to today's culture. And number two, to have our heart feel for those who are dealing with these things and realize they're attacks from the enemy. We don't want the enemy to win in anyone's life, whether they're in this room or not. We don't want their identity to be confused. Second thing is this. We see Hananiah. His name means Yahweh has been gracious. And they change his name to Shadrach. I'm fearful of God. A huge distortion of their spirituality. Where with one name, God, you are so good. You are so gracious. Everything I have comes from you. To now, I'm afraid of you, God, and I don't know if I can have anything to do with you. Maybe religion in your life has convinced you of that. That you have a distorted spirituality of whether or not you can come to God. I'm afraid of him now. Maybe experiences or people, again, have given you that label, and it's distorted who you are. I want you to know, all of us need to understand that we can come to God today. We don't have to be fearful of him. Next one is this. It's from Mishael, which means who is what God is. That's a statement of awe. God is incredible. How can I be worshiping him right now? To Meshach, which means this. This is a hard one. I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Wounded emotions. Who has wounded you in your life? 
and now you've accepted that name over your life. And that's dictating the matters of your heart. That's the title you've placed over your heart. I am despised, contemptible, humiliated. I'm a mess. I'm broken. I'm this. I'm that. And it's moved you away from, no, it's not about who I am, God. It's about who you are. It's not about who I am. It's about whose I am. And I'm in God's family. And the last one is this. From Azariah, meaning Yahweh God has helped me, to Abednego, which means a servant of Nebo. Now, what does this mean? Nebo essentially meant that now Azariah or Abednego would be named as someone who is a servant to his pride, a servant to do whatever feels good. And they redirected their purpose from glorifying God and thanking God to now his purpose is glorifying himself. Well, they tried to do that. He didn't give in to it. Because here's the thing. They're always going to try and change your name. The enemy's always going to try and change your identity. We have to stand strong and realize it doesn't matter what you say because you didn't give it me life anyway. And Psalm 139, 24 says this. This is a prayer from David. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. I would love for you to underline the word lead and the word path on your note card today. Here's what God wants to do. God wants to not only love you, he wants to lead you. Now here's the thing. I love my sons with everything in me. But if we're lost we go out camping and we get lost on a trail and I say, hey boys, I love you. But you guys can go whatever way you want. Go run out into the woods. There might be bears out there. There might be some coyotes out there, but go whatever way you want. No, I would be a horrible father if I said that. I would tell them, hey, I love you and I'm going to grab a hold of both of your hands and I am leading you down this path because every other path around us leads to destruction. Every other path around us is going to lead to hurt. But if you will just trust me, even if you're kicking and screaming, let me lead you. God is saying the same thing to us today. I need you to know that I love you, but I also want to lead you as your father because I can't let you go your own way because you're going to hurt yourself. He wants to grab a hold of your hand and say, go this way. And so here's the thing as we close today, everybody, that I want you to write down and then we'll respond at the end of the service today. Number one is this, let the one who designed me define me. You didn't design yourself. You didn't breathe life into you, so you don't get to define yourself. The world didn't breathe life into you, and the world has no power over your life, so they cannot define you. If I were to go to an art museum and stand in front of a masterpiece and say, you know what, this is what I think the artist was meaning by this. I may, I'm entitled to my own opinion, but that doesn't mean it's truth. Who has the truth of what that painting means? Who painted it? Who has the truth about who you are? Who painted it? Who created you? And that is God. He designed you. Let him define you. He says, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I don't make mistakes. I created you that way on purpose for a purpose. I want you to understand my true love that comes down from heaven. It may be hard sometimes. You may be tried to be renamed or re-identified, but let me define you. I will love what Eugene Peterson says, the author of the message translation of the Bible. Watch what God does, and then you do it. That's easy. (laughs) Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant, extraordinary. He didn't love in order to get something from us. That's huge for some of us to realize today. But to give everything of himself to us, love like God define you. Second thing is to see God the right way. God referred to himself as a heavenly father. 
Jesus referred to God as his heavenly father. Jesus referred to himself as your friend. See God the right way. Don't have a misconception view of God that he just loves you but doesn't want to lead you. You need to know that yes, God loves you. He does not have a posture like this. He's like, hey, I love you so much. But it doesn't just stop there. He loves you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He wants to change your heart. He wants to rip off that name tag. He wants to give you what I think is really important. I think he wants to today, and maybe it could start with baptism after service today, if you want to take that step of faith and publicly say, today, it's all about this, a fresh start. And God gives me a fresh start every morning. Here's what I need God to do. The third thing is we need God to allow God to heal my heart. Allow God to heal your heart. Allow God to heal those wounds. Allow God to heal those things that no one else can. Allow him to love on you. Allow him to be the heavenly father that heals you. At the end of service, we're going to have the prayer team up here. Don't leave still wounded. Don't leave alone in your hurt. Come and receive prayer so that somebody can lift you up into the arms of your heavenly father and let you know that you can be healed and free and a miracle can happen in your life. And listen, we believe this happens not only here on Sundays, but in the context of what we call circles, our small groups. And tonight, we got circle leader training. Maybe you want to help people heal from their wounds. Tap the disc in front of you. Click on that leader leader circle box and step into leading and creating community for someone this semester. And the last one is this, invite God into my future. Let God lead you down the path of everlasting life. Once again, re-surrender to him. Realign yourself with his word. Be like Israel. God save, well, I mean, in a sense. God save me, we need you. Bring us back under your covering of protection and authority. Be like Daniel. You may change my name, but you can't change what God says. I have been named and defined and created by God and no one else. I have been named and created by a love that has come down from heaven, and that is the most powerful truth in my life. God loves me. My life is too short and the world is too big and God's love is too great to live an ordinary life. Does that help you today, local city? Does that encourage you today? Why don't you stand to your feet today as we close and bow your heads? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.